Hey everybody, just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know some really exciting news. Now we know that this past 14, 15 months has been so, so challenging for you in youth ministry. And I don't know about you, but I think one of the great losses has been that opportunity to create shared experiences, to make memories together as a group through which we bond together. And that is why we are dedicating Limitless Festival 2021 to helping you reconnect as a youth group again. So on the 6th and the 7th of August, we're going to gather, pray, go together locally and online nationally. That means we'll be doing some live online sessions to help us to gather together nationally and providing you with a free resource of 75 creative ideas to help you gather, pray and go, go out into your communities through mission and social action locally. And we're going to be hearing your stories in a final session about how God has been using you in that way, in your towns, in your cities, in your communities. I'm really excited to think about what God could do through communities of young people all over the UK and beyond as we gather, pray and go on the 6th and the 7th of August. So to find out more, to book your place, to download the free resource and programme, just head to limitlessfestival.co.uk. I'm really looking forward to sharing in that experience with you. But for now, let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. My name is Tim Alford, and I'm going to be your host for today's conversation with the wonderful Johnny Slatter, to whom I will introduce you in just a few moments time. But let me say this for context. We are spending a few episodes thinking about what youth ministry will need to look like in this new world, this new post-COVID or at least post-lockdown world that we are in. And last month, I shared with you a talk that I gave at our leaders event, Limitless Leaders, called Ministry in the New World. And so I'd want to encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, pause this episode Go back and listen to that and then come back and revisit this one because that really sets the context for the conversation we're going to have today, which is about intergenerational youth ministry. Intergenerational youth ministry. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Uh, And Johnny Slatter is is my guest today. Uh, And Johnny uh, is the youth pastor at Limitless Erskine. uh, And he is also a student on on the Limitless Academy. And because of of an initiative that he has undertaken in his local church context with his young people, we invited Johnny at Limitless Leaders to to come and give us a a talk about about this shift that we talked about from from mono-generational to multi-generational youth ministry. And that talk was so well received when we uh, gave a bit of feed, uh, asked for a bit of feedback during the last session. So many people were putting into the chat how they had been inspired by Johnny's ideas and his session. And so I thought that it would make for a fascinating conversation on the Limitless Leadership Podcast today. So Johnny Slatter, welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. Great to be joining you. Yeah, so good to have you with us. Um, I've, I've introduced you a, a little bit, Johnny, but before we get into today's topic, why don't you tell us a little more uh, about yourself and about your, your own personal journey in youth ministry? Yeah, so I... 
began in youth ministry about seven years ago now. Um, it started off with a trip to Alton Towers. I was studying in London at that point, doing sports journalism. And the free trip to Alton Towers, which was a nightmare that if you ask Laurie, who was the youth leader there, she still gets PTSD from it. We lost kids, <laughs> lost phones, lost things. And I thought, this is brilliant. I loved it. And so God took me on a journey from there, um, from absolutely despising teenagers to absolutely loving working with them. Um, and so I was in Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh Elam for four years, um, helping with the youth group there. And then three years ago, I started at Regent's and in the Applied Theology of Youth Ministry course um, at the same time as doing a placement at Plymouth Erskine. So that's been kind of my journey into youth ministry. It's not been a conventional one, I would say at times, but it's been a brilliant experience. Um, yeah, whose who's is a conventional journey? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and so, uh, Johnny, as, as we said, we're, we're going to have a little conversation on the podcast today about this whole idea of intergenerational youth ministry. And this idea... Uh, that, that we spoke about in the last episode of of raising up spiritual parents um uh, we might use the language of mentors or disciples i'm just loving that language of spiritual parenting at, at the moment and i think we we see some of that don't we in the scripture and how jesus made disciples and how paul made disciples yeah. spiritual parents with a with a i'm talking about an intense commitment to passing on the gospel to, to the next generation. And we, we're going to explore that. We're going to have a little conversation around that today. I'd love to, to start, um, Johnny, by putting in your direction a quote from Reggie McNeil. And again, I, I referenced this, you know, in the last podcast, but I think it makes a great kickstarter for this conversation about intergenerational youth ministry today. Uh, and, and Reggie McNeil, he, he says this. He says that the, uh, and this is in his book, Missional Renaissance, great book for anybody uh, who's a reader. He says the program-driven church has created separate generational silos in the church experience, from worship services to religious education activities, even community service and mission engagements. It is quite possible for families in the program church not to share any common experiences during a day at church. This may keep consumers busy, but it doesn't do a thing for people's development. People often grow more in intergenerational environments that's why god created families we come into this world and learn our most fundamental life lessons in an intergenerational setting there is something profoundly abnormal going on when spirituality is detached from this natural dynamic and so my first question to you johnny is is that is that a statement statement that you agree with in whole or in part and and, and if so why yeah, I, I think personally I would completely agree with what Reggie McNeil's identifying there. Certainly that's been my experience that the separation is kind of how it appears youth ministry should be done within the Western church. You know, that you have your youth group, you have your Sunday morning Bible class or something like that, you know, and actually you might offer a all-age service every now and again, but most of this stuff is done separate from what the wider church is doing. Um for me, I would say at this stage, like before we go any further, there's 100% a place for spiritual programs in youth ministry. Mm. I think what I kind of feel is that our focus has been maybe too much on that, that we've lost sight of one of the three primary goals of the Great Commission, and that is to make disciples. Um, there's a great quote from Chap Clark in Four Views of Youth Ministry, where he just identifies that the last 20 to 30 years have seen youth ministry move from mission-driven outreach-orientated, culturally sensitive expression of God's incarnational care for all people to an entertainment-based series of events, programs, options, and classes. And 
that's certainly what I've been seeing in my relatively short time in youth ministry. Um, I think. Well, well, we, yeah, Johnny, so, let, let me just push back on you a little bit there because yeah. um, I can imagine, you know, uh, our listeners, you know, hearing you say that and, and, and thinking, but but here's the thing: the, the events, the programs, the classes, you know, as you picked out in the chat Clark quote there, they, you know, they are the mechanisms that we use to raise up disciples so so that you know we might say either the goal isn't to run a program or or an event but but we leverage those as a space in which we can gather young people and invest into their in, in their discipleship journey would you how would you reflect on that would you would you agree with that would you disagree with that like or you yeah. know is is there another way yeah i think I would agree that that's what we've been doing. And I think I look at my own journey in youth ministry in 2014, when I started at Edinburgh, I was a team member of what we would have defined at the time as a successful youth group where we saw quite fantastic growth. I think we moved from six young people when I began to 25 to 30 in just under a year. You know, we were doing fun, engaging programs. Mm. It was focused on them, separated kind of from what the wider church was doing. And within that though, we saw, I think 20 of those giving their lives to Jesus. You'd say that's a great success. You know, it's brilliant. But prior to COVID hitting, I know of only five remaining in church. And that's the type of thing that pains me. Even at the wow. British Christian Fellowship that I moved to in 2018, it'd been a similar story where only two remained in church of the previous generation. Wow. And I think that's what didn't sit, sit right with me at all. And I think our, our program-based stuff had just taken our focus away from the discipleship. We got really good at making youth a program of the church rather than the mission. It's something that Greg Steer, he talks about in youth ministry in the 21st century. And for me, I think it's something we're seeing a lot in both children's and youth ministry, where it's almost as if the groups exist as a babysitting service by the majority of the church. And it's a very monogenerational, monofocused thing. And if I'm being frank, I think it's too much to expect the youth leader or a couple of youth leaders to be the superman or superwoman and take care of all the flock. Right while also looking after their own journeys, their own spiritual walks, their own kids yeah. and everything like that, you know, yeah. and I think that's where we're maybe failing a bit, you know, yeah. with that. Yeah, no, I no, I, I, I totally hear that, you know, if, G, if Jesus could only kind of focus in his discipleship intently on 12 and then even more intently on three, yeah. uh, then who am I to think I can disciple 30 young people in a youth group? I'm not better than Jesus, that's for sure. So I, I hear, hear what you're saying and perhaps there's too much emphasis on us as the youth leader to do all the discipling and maybe uh, the approach we need to be taking is actually doing this thing of raising up disciples, raising up, you know, the language I'm using these spirit, spiritual parents, but something you said there, you know, um, really interesting and heartbreaking all at once. So you spoke about how, well, you know, on the surface you were in, involved in, on the team in leading what would look like a, you know, a really successful youth ministry. So you've got, 20 people who've responded to the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a great program. The, the, the youth ministry is growing. More people are intending, attending. People are inviting their friends. And so in the moment, it feels like success. But your concern is that the long-term legacy of that isn't successful because the percentage of those who continue to follow Jesus after their time with the youth group was much smaller than what it appeared to be at the time. What do you put that down to? What, why, why do you think, in spite of your best efforts and the best effort of the team uh, in creating what, what we would all feel was a, a successful youth ministry, 
Why is it, in your view, that those young people didn't continue to follow Jesus, you know, over, over time? I think for me, it's down to poor discipleship. And I think that's, it's, it's, a, it's a buzzword if you want to put it, you know, with discipleship. But it's the example we see in the Bible. You know, as you say, if you look at Jesus, you know, he was only able to actually disciple three very closely. You know, he had 12 disciples, but three very closely. And so when we're trying to take on 25 to 30 young people, and then who's actually there guiding their path? You know, we're, we're having these big conversations with them and it seems like all's going well. But I think for me, one of the key things is, are we building their faith on a person or on Jesus? And I think often it's surrounded by the person. You know, certainly the example in Edinburgh, we had an American intern and he was brilliant. But once he left, a lot of the young people were just like, uh, actually, I don't want to come anymore. He's not there. Mm. You know, they, they'd given their lives to Jesus. but you know, they kind of built their faith on the person. Mm. And I think it's down to that poor discipleship where we're not actually walking alongside them. We're kind of guiding them, but not walking with them on their journey. And that's certainly what my reflection of, of the time before, you know, and where I'm like, actually, we need to do better and I need to do better with this. Yeah, um, can you define for me, Johnny, what you mean by poor discipleship? And then conversely, if that's poor discipleship, what, what's what's good discipleship? Yeah, um, well, I guess Mike Breen, he says a really good quote when he said, most of us have become quite good at the church thing, and yet disciples are the only thing Jesus cares about, and it's the only number that Jesus is counting. I think often, in my opinion, we focus on the outward appearances, which is the numbers attending our program, and right. our ministry is successful if we've got, you know, 25 young people engaged, but actually we're not getting to know the heart of the young people. And actually having those real spiritual one-to-one -one conversations, finding out where they are on the journey, helping them answer their questions. And I think that's one of the things for me that we've started to do at Erskine, which I'm sure we'll come on to speak about. But we've actually been having these conversations with the young people, specifically about their own spiritual journey, not just the wider group's journey. And I think often we've kind of missed that. You know, I think discipleship spiritual mentors are so important. You know, mm. I think... We need the whole church together for me to be serving this. Because um, I think young people, they need to be guided in such a confusing world by people who have traveled through life with Christ. Yeah. And for me, discipleship is key to that. And I think too often we focus on the front stuff rather than actually just the individual stuff, which is what's needed. Yeah. And by, by discipleship, we mean something that happens in proximity, don't we? It's, it's not something that can happen from a, a platform. It, it, it's something that happens when we share life together. You know, I had this really harrowing moment uh, last year, uh, Johnny, with the Holy Spirit. Do you ever get those moments of oh, conviction with the Holy absolutely. Spirit? And um, I was reading Mark's gospel and um, I saw um, three occasions in Mark's gospel where Jesus t takes Peter and James and John away from the others, and they get to experience something with him that none of the others do. The first of those was the raising of Jairus' daughter. Mm -hmm. So it's this, it's a ministry moment mm -hmm. where Jesus says, hey, you know, come and see how I do it. Uh, come and see behind the scenes of, 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 of how, I, how I do ministry and, and, and learn from me. And there's this moment of great ministry success. They're learning from Jesus strengths in that sense and I, there's an element of discipleship which is that hey let me show you what i do and see see yeah. if you can learn from that um the, the the next moment was the transfiguration 
So that moment up the mountain, and that's an identity moment. Yeah. I'm going to make this into a talk one day, Johnny. Uh, it's, it's an identity. <laughs> it. yeah, yeah. It's an identity moment. It, it's where Peter, James, and John, they realize in this moment, oh, hang on. It's not it, Jesus. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a prophet. You know, this guy, he's the, he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. And Peter, James, and John are let into this moment of not just what he does, as in the raising of Jairus' daughter, but who he is. And that happens. But then the third one, the third one, I think, is the most compelling of all of them. Because the third one that Peter, James, and John are invited into is Gethsemane. Mm. And it's this moment of sorrow mm. where he's, oh, you know, we, we read, don't we, in the scripture, he's overcome with sorrow to the point of death. And there's this moment of grief. And Jesus, in, he, he doesn't go in, into that moment alone, as I often do <laughs> as an introvert. He invites his disciples, those he's discipling, to share in that moment with him. They don't do it too well, to be fair. They fall asleep. But that wasn't Jesus' fault. He invited them into it. Yeah, yeah. And as I was reading this and seeing how Jesus discipled people, the Holy Spirit asked me, who are you discipling? Mm -hmm. And I had this horrible moment, Johnny, where I realized that the answer was no one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not like that. Not yeah. like that. Not like Jesus does. You know, I've got young people who I see every week. Um. I've got young people who I do one-to-one -one mentoring with once a week. I've got leaders who, um, you know, once a month I'll, I'll meet with them, you know, give them some of my time, talk about their life and leadership, coaching, mentoring, that kind of stuff. Now that's, that's all good. And that's all positive stuff. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the same thing as discipling. It's not the same. It's not that proximity. It's not that invitation in, in, into, into shared life. And, and I had to do something about that. And I have done something about, about that since, but it was this moment of real conviction where I was like, here I am like national director of limitless trying to help youth leaders, disciple young people. I'm not discipling anybody. It was this horrible moment. Yeah. And as I say, I've, I've made a course alteration now, but that's the kind of thing you're talking about. When you say poor discipleship, it's like, there's too much distance between us and the people we lead. Right. And we, and as you say, we cannot do that kind of thing for everyone but we can do it for a few. And I wonder how many of us would have to answer that question in the same way I did. How many of us in Christian leadership, how many of us in youth ministry would say, actually, the truth is I'm not discipling anyone. Not like, not like, not like, not like Jesus is. Yeah. So all of that. It's that is, realness, isn't it, Tim? It's that realness yeah. of, you know, actually displaying your whole life. And yeah. we're terrified of that, you know, as British yeah. people to begin with, you know, we don't like doing that. Yeah. Circumstances, but even more so as Christians, you know, it's kind of that thing of people can't know the things that I'm struggling with, and especially yeah. young people. And there is there is a, a fine line with everything yes. as well, but it is just that challenge to us. What are we actually doing right here? You know, are we missing something from Jesus, like you're saying, you know, in the way that Jesus displayed his life to yeah. to the disciples, you know. So yeah. And, and and you're right that that there is a line of appropriateness, especially in youth ministry. And one thing I do want to ask you about when we, we come to the model you've adopted a little later, Johnny, is is to ask you about safeguarding and that yeah. how that all works. But yeah. but for now, let me just ask you, you know, you, you've talked about poor discipleship and good discipleship. You know, if the if the approach that we have taken, you know, if that's kind of been exposed, and you know, we've 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 done great programs and we've done great services and we've done great gatherings, and it's failed to produce robust disciples. What do you see as an alternative approach mm -hmm. uh, to, to to disciple making with young people? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think a multi generational approach is what's needed. You know, I think it 
it changes the culture of what church is to young people. You know, one of the things that, um, is it Reggie McNeil at the beginning you said the quote yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. Reggie McNeil, um, you know, he's talking about that segregatedness of youth ministry. And what a multi-generational approach does, it sees a move from segregated to integrated. Okay. You know, where youth and children's work's not a program, but a mission of the church. But young people are the church and not a branch of the church. You know, where wow, young people yeah. are not just given token roles and responsibilities during our meetings, but they're instead serving, leading as part of the body of Christ. You know, this past year, BCF Wewas Vera, who along with her husband, John, they founded the church in Erskine. Right. And what would always be amazing to me was the way that young people of all ages, they would flock to Vera on a Sunday. And we'd be inspired by her despite her elderly age. You know, they didn't feel a multi-generational gap with Vera and the youth. Instead, they were one church body right. and family, you know, as you talk about. Yeah. And that's the way church should be. And I think the Western church has often strayed so far from that. You know, in an integrated church, young people, they see the real church as displayed in Acts 2, 42 to 47, where it becomes an intergenerational context where the youth can learn from people at every stage of life who are living out their faith and in the middle of all kinds of challenges and situations. You know, what we're talking about just before there, Tim, it shows a realness to it. You know, it's not, Christianity is not something that is there just to please them and meet their age-specific needs. But instead, it's a lifelong journey of becoming more and more like Jesus and yeah. bringing people into eternity with him. Yeah. So, so, so you've touched on it a little bit there, Johnny, but what, what's the why behind, like, adopting this? And I'm going to ask you, to, in a few moments to explain kind of the how, how you've done that. But like, what's the why for adopting this, this intergenerational approach? What's, what's the purpose for it? What's, what's the outcome of it? Yeah, well, I think I, my, my fear, is, as we've touched upon, is that we've been creating a culture of false disciples, where a kind of once prayed, once saved model has become the norm. And actually, that's not really what Jesus says, you know, discipleship and with Jesus is a lifelong journey of becoming more like him. It's not a, mm. you pray, you're saved. You know, Matthew 7, 21 to 23 has me worried for that. You know, my heart breaks thinking there's people out there who are living thinking they're saved, but not actually. You know, people I know that are living that way. Um, and I think a multi-generational approach to it, it just changes that culture. You know, I recently read a great story in Tim McKnight's new book on Engaging Generation Z. And it was about a small group Bible study that he runs at his church. And he explains that their groups are multi-generational and he was shocked so many college students wanted to attend those groups. So he asked one of them, why, why would you come to a multi-generational group in my home when on the campus there's so many stuff that's aimed at you, all these mono-generational programs that are aimed at you? And the guy replied, I could ask my roommate how to ask a girl to marry me, but he's never done it. You have. Right. So okay. From adults who have more life experience and wisdom, and for me, right, there's are no different there. You know, they want adults to serve as role models for them yeah. and examples of how to live. Uh, yeah, and this this brings us back to the spiritual parenting thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, because you know that there's definitely learning that can can be done, and uh, part of our discipleship journey that can be done, uh, and is important to be done in peer groups of those who are in a, on a similar stage of life's journey to us but as well as that we also need those people who are older and wiser and have been following jesus for a little longer and who've been where we've been and have been through it and can yeah. see it from a different perspective to help us and guide us spiritual mums dads granddads 
grandmas yeah. who, who, who can raise us up in faith. You know, one, I, I, again, spoke about it in the, in the last episode, but um, one of my favorite passages in scripture right now is, is Paul uh, in, in, in 1 Thessalonians as he, as he talks about his ministry philosophy. And he says, he says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Mm-hmm. And because we loved you, so th- again, a nursing mother cared for her children. This 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 picture of spiritual parenting is he's seeing he's seeing the Thessalonians as yeah. as children that he has has raised. Um, yeah. You know, not as students, yeah. but as children. He says, just as we love you, uh, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, mm-hmm. but our lives as well. Yeah. And, and I think the dangers you've touched upon there is like when we create these great programs and like you said, there's nothing wrong with a program, but that's the sharing with you, the gospel piece. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about here is the sharing with you, our lives as well piece, isn't it? And it's both of those. It's the gospel. Yeah. We need to share the gospel. We need good, you know, good teaching and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but it's the sharing uh, our, our lives as well. And, and that's, that's, I think, you know, where this intergenerational piece um, can come in, but Johnny, tell me, now let's get down to the brass tacks here, as they say. Um, and, and tell me, uh, you know, you've had these concepts. God's spoken to you about this. You've you felt like, ah, oh, you know, maybe how I was doing it before. Just you know, there hasn't been a long term legacy of that. It felt great in the moment, but the the lasting fruit wasn't there. Maybe we need this approach, this spiritual parenting approach, this intergenerational approach. Talk to me about how you have adapted that practically in your in mm-hmm. your context. Yeah, so we we launched a discipleship initiative. Um, so when I first came through to Erskine, I had sat down with Andy and Catherine Goodham from the church um, for a few Monday nights, and we'd just been talking about where youth ministry was going. And Andy had been just working on something in his spare time. It wasn't intended to ever launch anything. You know, he'd just been thinking, what would a discipleship initiative kind of look like? And mm. From there, we, we developed this thing, and basically the aim of the project, it's called the Lighthouse Project, and the aim of it is to follow the biblical mentor models of the likes of Paul and Timothy and Elijah and Elisha, where mm. it sees a young person paired with a mentor from the church congregation, and the mentor's job is to guide the young person through the various parts of the lighthouse, holding them accountable in their actions in each right, part. Right, right, yeah. So so when you say the various parts of the lighthouse, what, what, what do you mean? Yep. So there's four parts to it. I mean, to clarify as well, before we even reach the sections of the lighthouse, the first thing to emphasize the lighthouse is built on the rock. And that's the key behind it is that each section should be influenced by the firm foundations they're building their life on. And that's where the importance of our spiritual programs comes in, as you touched on them, you know, making sure they're making the Bible the attraction and helping the young people with good teaching, building their lives on the rock rather than the sand. But then the four sections, they cover every part of a person's life. So the first section is me and my God, which looks at the spiritual disciplines of the young people, encouraging conversation around the young per- person's Bible reading, their prayer life, or fasting and their holiness. And then once this section has been explored, which it could take several meetings, the aim is to move forward into me and my family, looking at how the young person is witnessing in their home lives, praying them for the future and relationships and parenthood. Thereafter, it moves on to me and my church, focusing on how the young person is serving within their church and leading within the youth group. And the final section is me and my world, exploring how the young person is living within the world, in their school, okay. in work, and with areas such as social justice. And for me, with constant accountability in all of these areas, it should lead to the young person letting their light shine before others so that they may see their good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. 
Hence the lighthouse. See what you see what you did there. See what you did there. Okay, so so at the end. Yeah, so the so the lighthouse. It, um, it, it's kind of like a a, a framework, but the, the, that content is being worked out not in your youth group. It's yeah. being worked out in an intergenerational setting. Is that yeah. right? So, so tell me how that works. Yeah. So the way it works in practice is that on a bi-monthly basis, any mentors who have a disciple that is signed up. They'll meet in somewhere like a coffee shop or a McDonald's to chat through the various areas of the lighthouse with a young person. So they're there to encourage the young people to set challenges for themselves in the areas to improve whilst getting alongside them and holding them accountable in their walk with God. For then those not signed up to the project by their parents, particularly our non-church young people. Yeah, yeah. With a mentor who's solely tasked with praying for them. So therefore letting the young person know there's someone specifically holding them in prayer and they're okay and okay so so just sorry to as well tim is just yeah the disciples here the young people they're also given a child from the church to be praying for uh so good we're speaking to about what they've learned at kids church encourage them on the early faith walk and it means that when the kids come into youth they've already formed that relationship with someone older they see as a role model that's so good that's so good so not only are the young people being discipled they're yeah. almost kind of beginning that journey themselves of you know exactly. discipling a, a child or yeah that's so good so okay so so the young people sign up for this with parental consent yeah. and if if they don't get that because their parents aren't christians or whatever and perhaps they don't understand what's going on yeah. then you still assign somebody older to faithfully pray for that person even if they're even if their parents don't want them to to participate in that kind of discipling you know parents are aware that there is someone praying for them as well so you know we're safeguarding just to clarify that as well they're aware of that but they're just not signed up to do the meetings so yeah that's that's so so good what what, what's been how long have you been doing this for johnny now yeah so we launched it in i think september 2019 which Obviously, then we've had a, a nice yeah. not being able to to do the meetings and things like that. But the actual project it was launched in September 2019. Uh, what's been the what's been the fruit of it so far? And maybe actually, what have been what? Yeah, what's been the fruit of it? But also, what have been some of the challenges that you've met that perhaps you didn't expect as you've been going through it? COVID, yeah. I understand, is a pretty significant challenge that you've <laughs> yeah. met, but I just mean, mean yeah. with the kind of whole intergenerational approach. Have there yeah. been challenges that you didn't anticipate with it? Yeah, I think from the fruit, obviously it's a long-term project, so the fruit will be 10, 15 years' time. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Are still going, which is the thing. I think in general, some of the fruit we've seen is just in terms of the relationships being built. You know, mm. the fact that with the mentoring, the actual pairs one, They've only met up about three times, and yet during lockdown, there's been occasions where the young people have gone, been going through some really hard times, and the person they're asking their parent to contact is not me first, but it's their mentor. So mm. they've actually already gained that trust with that person who they've maybe been in church with for years, but never had a conversation with. But now they're going, actually, that's a person I can go to for stuff. Um, so these have been kind of the big encouragements for us with how the project's working with the young people really seeing the fruit of you know okay i've got a relationship here with someone that i can go to yeah um, i think the the difficulty is it was around guys which was a really funny thing um it was getting the buy-in from guys in the church to actually mentor um at the beginning i think we launched it in june and asked for mentors to sign up in a month and we had more female mentors than we had female youth signed up whereas right. guys we were like, you know, really pushing, we need some more, you know. And I think it's just one of those things of 
getting over the fear of you know being real with a young person and allowing yourself yeah. to be exposed. And I think the guys in our church really struggled with that a lot more than the females, and um, which has been an interesting observation. But I think it's just that encouraging people to, you know, people have been behind the project, but not sometimes wanting to do it themselves because I think they're worried about being too open with someone, be, you know, being real and raw and actually acknowledging that they've maybe got feelings, you know, that they need to do better, you know, whether it's with a Bible reading, with a prayer life, you know, if a young person's like, oh, how are yeah. you doing? And you're like, oh, eh. you know, I think that's been a real yeah. thing. It's been a real challenge to the whole church, including myself in that, you know, actually we need to be better if we're going to try and teach these young people of how to do it, you know, and model it to them. Well, that, that, that's right. And that's, I think that's, uh, um, Actually, you know, that's a positive of an approach like this because it causes us as adults to step up in our own discipleship journey a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, if we're not spending time with Jesus, you know, each day and in the scripture each day, you know, uh, 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 and, and we'd want a young person to do that. Well, we don't want to be hypocrites about it. So we better get on and do do that stuff ourselves, Right. And I, I love I love that that kind of challenge that's associated with that as well. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, that's really good stuff. How did you overcome that challenge with the guys? Yeah, I think we're still not fully there yet. You know, so like the prayer mentors on the guys, myself and Andy have quite a few that we are praying for. Um, right. but we've got enough guys who were up for doing it to actually cover all yeah. the ones who are signed up for the project, um, which was the main thing, you know, for them. And then the prayer ones and stuff we're still working on. But it was just... I think being open and honest, you know, we've done various talks on a Sunday morning at church, just talking real, you know, and talking raw about our own journeys. And I think just saying to people, it's all right to be open. And it's all right. We're not perfect, you know, and I think really showing them biblically, you know, Jesus was perfect, but every other, Paul was far from perfect when he was discipling, you know, mm. and yet he discipled brilliantly. You see that with how he was a spiritual parent to, to these people in Thessalonica and the way he spoke in Corinthians, you know, where he said about spiritual fathers, you know, and he just loved discipling, I think it's safe to say, you know, and loved getting to know people and coming alongside them despite all his flaws. And I think that's just making that obvious to people, I think is a key thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, this, this gets on an interesting point though, isn't it? We touched on it earlier. It's like the, the question of where's that line? Right. So if I'm discipling a young person and um, investing in them and I want to, you know, not just give them information, but, you know, share my life with them. When does that become inappropriate? Like, how do I discern like where it's right to share a struggle and be vulnerable and open about something? And how, how do I discern where that's not appropriate? And, you know, that's maybe something to share with somebody who's mentoring me rather than the person I'm mentoring. Like, how do we know that? Yeah, the thing is, I don't think there is a right or wrong. There's not a line where you go, that is a specific line. I think I heard a great thing. I can't remember if it was yourself or Ollie um, at Regents who said, you know, speak from speak from your scars, not your wounds. And I think that's a key thing, that if it's something you're really battling with, you know, and going through, then that's where you speak to someone above. That's when you speak to the person who's mentoring you about it. But if it's scars, it's a great thing to speak from. You know, young people want you to be honest with them and be real with them. You know, so if you're just trying to cloud round stuff, you know, you're never going to get anywhere. You know, and yeah. I think they'll tell easily if you're not being honest with them. But I think it's just that speak from the scars, not your wounds. You know, speak from the stuff that you can say how God's worked to make better. Yeah. Not from those things that you're still really battling with, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, it, that's really good. And, you know, the other thing I, I've, I've heard said, and I, and I can't remember who said it now, but I think it is really helpful is um, that the, we we're not ready to share something when our healing depends on their response to what we're saying Good. and we're sharing and in therefore kind of sharing out of insecurity in yeah. that way yeah. um, because it's not about us it's about them and it's about raising them up as as uh, you know and, and discipling them isn't it so yeah. no, that's really good that's really yeah really good, good. come on let, let, let's talk let's talk this safeguarding thing then uh, <laughs> uh how do we do this so are, are you doing one-to-ones or one-to-twos or, or how, how are you working and, and what's your kind of policies behind that to keep this all kind of uh safe and and, and above board in that way yeah it was our biggest headache there's no doubt about that you know when you go to launch anything like this that requires trust you know that's what it does require in this in this case I think the key thing first of all is we were open with parents from the beginning you know Mm -hmm. open with them about everything that we're planning you know so they're completely aware of what's going on you know it's about trying to cut out anything to the best that you can you know there's always going to be risks involved but yeah we were open with parents stuff like so we have for organization of meetings etc we have group chats which include the parents the young person both mentors so we basically paired our mentors up with another pair um so a mentor and a young person who's doing the meeting up and they will always go together to their meetings so say they're in a starbucks one will sit the other side of the restaurant the starbucks to the other but they're both in the same public place together so if anything was happening there's that level of accountability. And, and that's an important thing you've touched on there as well. You, your, your meetings are always in public spaces, are they? Yes, always yeah. in public spaces. So that's why the last 10 months has been much more difficult when you've yeah. not had places open to do it, you know. Um, but yeah, always in public spaces. For whiffs, it's always two mentors in the car before you get any young person as well, you know, and these type of things. So it's just always doing everything you can to cut out as many risks as possible. There's always going to be risks with someone like this, but it is make sure everyone's PVGs as well and all these types of things, you know. Yeah, which is the Scottish, Scottish equivalent of a DBS. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So all, all of your mentors are appropriately checked in that way and, yeah. Yeah, and there are a few hoops we're going to need to jump through, aren't there, in that in that way, if we want to have something going on like this. But, the you know, just it was interesting going back to what you were saying earlier when you were talking about how, you know, it was difficult to to get um, uh, to get particularly blokes to to do this. And, you know, if we wondered if the reason why was, you know, did they feel kind of self-conscious about their own discipleship? Mm -hmm. But it's just the thing that it exposes to me, you know. And, and, and as I said, this was me as well, is, is how few of us as followers of Jesus are actually making disciples. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's quite actually frightening, isn't it? When you when you think that that was the thing that, that Jesus told us to do. Um, and that wasn't, you know, for church leaders or, or, or youth pastors. Yeah. It was for every Christian. Yeah. Our responsibility is to is to make disciples is to be spiritual parents is to raise up followers of Jesus. And perhaps for, you know, for many of us, you know, with the exception of our own kids, if we have them, you know, we're not actually discipling anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and it may be that we're even trying to do loads of things to serve Jesus, uh, you know, and and, and run programs and, 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 and events or serve at church this way and that. But the one thing that he asked us to do, which was to actually, make disciples disciple people is the thing that that we're not doing and 
is it any wonder then that we're seeing a decline of of people following Jesus? Is it any wonder that that stories like the one you shared about having a great youth ministry and then young people just exiting the journey of faith when they left and went to university that that's such a that that's such a common story? Of, of, well, of course it's not because the one strategy that Jesus gave us to pass on the gospel is the one that we tend to ignore, perhaps because it's the most costly and requires the greatest level of um, vulnerability from us that we invite people into our lives and we raise them up, as Paul said, like a nursing mother caring for their children, you know. Um, uh, So really inspiring conversation today, Johnny, and I'm sure it's raised a whole lot of questions. For those who are thinking, wow, you know, this is just stirring something in me and and I've I've got to do something about it. You know, maybe it's to do something like the lighthouse project that you've been adopting or, or just you know, form some other way of, you know, making disciples in proximity, uh, sharing life together, any, any resources, any books, any kind of further reading or exploration that you'd want to recommend if, if people want to take this further. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I would say I'm more than happy to chat to anyone following them on from women as leaders I've had so many great conversations with people. So do just get in touch with me by email Um and we can put that in any of the details, et cetera, I guess, for the podcast. Or... Yeah, it, we'll pop, pop that into the show notes. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you, they can do that via the show notes. Yeah, and I'm happy to make all the Lighthouse Project resources available to anyone that would like them. You know, we just want to see the kingdom expand for God's glory, you know, so we're not precious about, about that. Um, in terms of books, I would really recommend probably the most influential for me, in fact, were Radical by David Platt, Multiply by Francis Chan, one-to-one discipleship by Christine Dillon and intentional mentoring by Paul Wilcox. And all of these books have really shaped my thinking behind this move to multi-generational and just why I believe spiritual parent figures rather than spiritual programs are most important as we move forward. So really recommend all four of those books. Um, And yeah, like I say, any, anybody wants any help with this, just do get in touch um, with me. Fantastic. Johnny, so, so helpful. Thank you so much for, for joining us on, on the podcast today. And uh, just to all of you guys who, who are listening, I know that we just want to say to you, you know, if for any of you uh, listening to this podcast has been a bit of a moment for you, like that moment I had last year, where I realized I really wasn't doing the thing that Jesus asked me to do, in spite of all the energy and effort I was putting into serving him. Guys, we, we, we don't want you to go away with any sense of guilt or anything like that but conviction is a good thing and you know I I just want you to know that the smile of God is over your life as you serve him and and please if there's a Holy Spirit moment for you in this podcast as you're listening um don't leave it when this podcast finishes don't leave it when when the jingle runs out at the end get in touch with Johnny pick up some of those books speak to a mentor of your own start to dream start to think about how you could um begin discipling people but most of all my encouragement would you to you would be don't overcomplicate this. Just start discipling someone. Yeah. If it's one leader, young leader in your team, if it's one young person, um, you know, the thing I did, Johnny, was I just went away um, at when I, and I took a day with, with, with Jesus um, after he kind of spoke to me in that way. And I, and I prayed and I fasted in the way that Jesus did. Um, before he went and invited his disciples on, on that discipleship journey. And I said, Lord, who do you want me to disciple? And the Lord gave me a couple of names that day. And actually, when I went to speak to those people, 
um, it was amazing how God had actually already been preparing the way. Mm. And so maybe, you know, maybe your takeaway, guys, as, as, as you listen to this podcast today is take a day to prayer and, pray and fast mm. and ask the Lord, who do you want me to disciple? That would be a great place to start. So let me finish by saying, as we always do, thank you for everything that you are doing to invest in the lives of young people where you are. You know, what are you going to give your life to? That's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation. Keep going. Don't give up. Even in these hard days, these unusual days, keep going. And hey, if this conversation has been helpful to you and you think it would be helpful to another youth leader, why not share it with them? Uh, Share it on your socials, rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast, which helps it to get in the direction of the relevant people. And, And guys, keep going. We're in this together. And I'll see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.